Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Well, happy 31th birthday, church. I say 31th because we were planning last year to have a big 30th birthday celebration, but of course we couldn't. We were in the middle of lockdown. We had split services. I don't know if you remember that time. On the birthday itself, we were able to all be together for the first time. It was the first Sunday that we didn't have to have split services, that everyone was welcome in the room. But we didn't have time to plan. We didn't know in advance that that was going to happen. And so we sort of still had a bit of a celebration, but we thought this year, this year is going to be different. We're going to celebrate our 30th all over again. And so we're just going to call it 30 plus one. That's our theme for the year. We're, we're 30 again, which is, I'm sure, reason to celebrate for some of you. Being 30 again, it's so great. But then COVID hit. And I'm here in my house and you're there in your house. But the good thing is, is that God is still in the midst. God is still with us in my home, in your home. That we call ourselves Life House, God's house, our home, that we still get to be together through technology. And it's been sad that for the past 18 months, for the first time in the church's 31-year history, we've had to put limits and restrictions on the number of people coming in to the doors of the church. I know that there have been times when we've been over capacity for Christmas festivals and other things, but we've been forewarned. We've, we've made sure that we, you know, we, we opened up the, the hub and then we opened up the kids shed. We went online. We made sure that, that no one had to miss out because no one should ever be restricted from hearing or receiving of the gospel. You see, one of the, the core values of our church is that people are our heart. And so we want to make sure that at every service, at every time, that everybody is welcomed in to God's house. And so when we've been starting to run out of room, we've been able to extend the building. We've been able to add on rooms. We've been able to build new buildings. We've been able to plant new churches to accommodate for these things because we never want the gospel to be exclusive when it comes to people being invited into the party. And of course, it's costly to do all those things. It's costly to accommodate for the crowds, but it's even costlier to the one if we don't. Weddings have been a tough thing to plan for in COVID as well. When that snap lockdown happened, a bit like this one, late last year, when we said that we were going to have a six-day lockdown and then it got reduced to a, a three-day lockdown, I was due to do a wedding on that Saturday, but we pressed it up and I did a wedding on a Wednesday afternoon ahead of the lockdown at midnight. And it meant that 
you know, dancing and numbers and food and everything was restricted. And so planning weddings has been a tough thing in COVID. But even without COVID, weddings are still kind of like a, a tough thing to plan because sometimes you do have to restrict the number of people coming to weddings. You see, the average cost of a wedding, I'm including everything, I'm including the engagement ring, the honeymoon, everything. The average cost in Australia uh, today, according to one report, is $65,482. So Brock, better start saving now, mate. But because of that, because of that increased cost, it means that people have to restrict their numbers. And so, you know, are we inviting this auntie or that auntie? I haven't seen that cousin for a while, or I don't know if I'm going to be friends with that person for a while, you know, forever. And so we start to restrict the numbers. It becomes an exclusive kind of event. In fact, I know people that deliberately chose to get married, to get married in lockdown because it meant that, you know, they could only have 10 people and it would reduce their cost drastically, but it also meant that they didn't have to go through that tricky process of selecting out, naming those names of who was going to get their name written on that invite and who was going to be left out, out of their 80, out of their 100 plus plus people that were going to be able to come to their wedding. And then there's something that happens sometimes when, you know, one member of, the, of, of a couple that you want to invite, you're really close to, to someone, but you don't know their partner, or if you don't know if they have a partner, or if they're going to have a partner by the time the wedding comes around, because you want to get the invites out in enough time, and so it can all get a bit confusing. And so sometimes what they do is, although most of the invitations are, are handwritten out, and they've got everyone's name on there, Sometimes what they do is they write the person's name plus one. You're allowed to come, we, we value you, we know you, but you're allowed to bring a plus one, someone that's special, that's important to you, that we want to be there at our special day. And I love this idea because this idea of the plus one, it's inclusive but it's also exclusive, that there are actually good things about being inclusive and there are good things about being exclusive. And so we want the best of, of both worlds. We want to be inclusive when it comes to being able to invite as many people as we can, but we, we don't want to be inclusive of sin and destruction in our life, that we don't just want to be inclusive of everything and everyone and every decision and you know everything that, that anyone does, that there needs to be some level of exclusiveness in there. And oftentimes also with being exclusive, we're exclusive over things that do cost more, they're more of worth. My daughter, Michaela, she's currently looking for a car. And so she said, well, you know, Josh, what, what kind of car should I get? What should I be looking at? And so I looked up the most commonly sold car 
of 2020 because I thought, well, that's going to have lots of parts available. It's going to be inclusive of her budget. And so the car that sold the most last year was the Toyota Corolla. It sold 1,134,262 Toyota Corollas were sold just last year in the pandemic. But then another car company, Rolls-Royce, they also make cars. They made a car called the Boat Tail. Now the Boat Tail is very exclusive because there's only one that was made. And although Michaela couldn't afford to, to buy a, a new Corolla, if she was able to, a brand new Corolla costs $23,895. Whereas the one-off exclusive Rolls-Royce Boat Tail has a price tag of $28 million. Exclusive things have worth, have value. So we want the best of both worlds. We want acceptance and inclusion of all, but we want it to be something of worth, of value. And our plus one invitation does just that. That unnamed person is still invited, even though numbers are limited and places are unique. It's inclusive of everyone without a name who's not known. And I think that that's how God wants our church to be. That all those unknown, unnamed people are invited in. They're invited in, but they need to know that they're invited into something precious. They're invited into something that is of worth, of infinite worth, that they can't just find anywhere else. 20 years ago, when Belinda and I got married, we walked down, or she walked down the aisle in our own church. We made vows that we were actually going to be exclusive to one another, that our love was exclusive, that although that there is a love that we have for everybody, there is a love that I have for you watching this right now, and that love is all-inclusive of, of everybody but there is also an exclusive kind of love. That although that there is a seat at the table that you're allocated to, although your name is on it and your plus one is there and welcome and invited, that when it comes to the wedding table, that when it comes to that one who is going to be beside me for the rest of my days here on earth, well, that spot is exclusively for Belinda. There's only one seat next to me at that bridal table, and that belongs to her. She is my plus one. She is my exclusive. And you see, throughout Scripture, Jesus talks about his church in that same way. 
that we should be exclusive in our love for him. That he has actually chosen us to be his plus one. That there is a seat at the table, at the bridal table for us. And that our relationship with him is just like a wedding day. That we're here today to celebrate a birthday. But one of the other great, one of the biggest celebrations that we have in life is that of a wedding day. And so I love that Jesus describes his relationship with us, his church, in this same way. Let's read Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. It says, As for husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved the church in that same way and gave himself for her. I give myself to Belinda exclusively, but Jesus gives himself the church exclusively. He did this to make her, the church, holy by washing her in a bath of water with the word. He did this to present himself with a splendid church. He wants a splendid church, one without any sort of stain or wrinkle on her clothes, but rather one that is holy and blameless. I love that he presents us, he prepares us, he washes us, that it's not something that we have to do or achieve in and of our own strength. And you know, often at your birthday, I don't know about you, but I often reflect on the year that was and I dream over the year that is to come. And so as it is now the church's 31th birthday, we should reflect on the year that has been and dream about the year that is to come for us as a church community. And I know that many of you might well say that you just want to forget the last 12 months. That you want to forget about every bad thing that has gone wrong and all the restrictions and knowing what to do and QR codes. You just kind of over it. But... I think the last 12 months has actually taught us something. I think the last 12 months has brought us to this point and we do, even though we can't be together, we still have reason to celebrate because you're still here and he's still here and there's still a place that is available for you. And that although it might have been some of the toughest 12 months that you've ever faced or will ever face, you didn't step back, you didn't shy away. As a church community, you stepped up, you, you visited people, you made phone calls because you love, you opened up your homes to have life homes, you know, meeting and, and gathering in groups of 10 and groups of 20 as we were allowed to meet and gather. We made sure that we did food packs up for our community and so we gave away tons and tons of food. We gave more financially in the middle of a recession in the last 12 months than in any 12-month period in our 31-year history. And that extra giving meant that we didn't have to stop giving to our school in Cambodia. It meant that we could, you know, act out this plus one by not only keeping that school running, but adding another 
training facility for some of the older kids to go to. So we have a, a salon and a beauty school where, where street kids can come in and be trained and equipped and experience the love of God. We, we made sure that still just a couple of, of weeks ago, many of you had already sponsored kids, but you adopted this plus one principle and you knew that you could do something more. You knew that plus one was within your grasp. And so now over 91 kids are sponsored through Compassion and Compassion Projects just in our local community alone. You gave financially to our youth camp. And even though as we're trying to load kids onto to buses, we're hearing reports of restrictions that are going to be enacted at midnight that night and that they wouldn't be able to sing and that they had to be spaced out and social distance and all of that stuff. But it was still our largest youth camp in history with 143 young people in attendance across the camp. And although I wasn't there every day, I still had the privilege of adding a plus one to God's kingdom, praying with a young person for the first time to receive Jesus. Shout out to my boy, Seb. So last year was tough. But God is faithful. And you are still here and he is still here. And maybe... He's used the last 12 months to shape us and mould us and wash us into that radiant, beautiful, shimmering bride that he always intended us to be, that he promises in his word that he is coming back for. That there is still a seat with your name on it at that bridal table. And then when I want to dream godly dreams, godly dreams of the year that is to come, I am so excited. I had some exciting news to tell you, but you're going to have to wait because I want to do it in person. I want to see your faces as we unfold what we believe God is dreaming and planning for us in the next 12 months. So you have to wait until the next time I preach, which could be a while because we've got all of these new up-and-coming young preachers that we're training. So you might have to wait a few weeks. In fact, we've got so many different preachers, so many different pastors that it's almost like we need a Lifehouse Church plus one Plus one, plus, well, I'm saying too much. We'll wait for a few weeks on that one. But you see, we live in a world obsessed with popularity. We live in a world obsessed with, with fame and fortune, where we think that our self-worth is determined by our net worth where we think that our fame is based on the number of followers that we can have. But Jesus comes and he switches that all around. 
And he says, no, it's, it's not about the crowds. It's not about the big numbers. It's all about the plus one. And there's this interesting story in the book of Exodus about this guy whose name was Moses. And Moses at this time had a million followers, a million they left everything to, to follow after him. They were true followers. Now, in the eyes of the world, he had made it. A million followers. In the eyes of the world, he was successful. He had everything that he could ever want. But he was getting drained. He was getting tired because although he had a million followers, they were kind of stuck. They had left where they had come from by means of going through the, the Red Sea, but they weren't at the end. They weren't at their destination just yet. And so because he didn't have the end in mind, he was getting tired and worn out. And so his father-in-law, Jethro, comes to him and he speaks to him. And let's read what Jethro has to say in Exodus 18, starting at verse 14, it says, When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what, you are, what, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? Alone is not good. In verse 17, he goes on, Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. For this thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. There it is again. Don't do it alone. Being alone is not good. You need a plus one. And in verse 21, he goes on to say, But you should also look among all of the people for capable persons who respect God. They should be trustworthy and not corrupt. This is what our church is full of. Set these persons over all of the people as officers of groups of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. You see, the world has it backwards. Their aim is to get to one million followers. Not even knowing like Moses, what they will do when they get there. They don't really have that end destination in mind. So they think that the one, that, 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 that plus one is a means to the end. The end is the million. The means is the plus one. And so they'll do whatever they have to do with that plus one. They'll abuse them. They'll ridicule them because they're just a means to get to the end that they want. They'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll steal to get the plus one person, to get the plus one dollar so that they can make it to the million dollars and the million followers, just like the world says that they need to have. Start with one, go to 10, go to 100, go to 1,000, go to a million. But Jethro, God, comes and flips all that around. And he says, no, don't use and abuse the one that 
you actually go the other way that you start with the million and then you break it down to the thousand and the ten and it's not good for you to be alone that the ultimate aim that the end of all this is that you would have that you would know your plus one that you wouldn't be alone you see there's a level of intimacy and knowing and a two-way conversation that can only be found with your plus one so many times even in the church we are looking around for those leaders of hundreds leaders of thousands because we think that those people are more important if they can be leaders of of thousands leaders of millions then they must be important. They must be the people that God is looking for, that that's the end that we want, that that's the goal. But this is all flipped around. He doesn't word it that way. He doesn't start with the small and go to the big. He starts with the big and says, no, you need to get smaller. There's a level of intimacy and connection that is the ultimate aim, the end that I want from you. You see, lots of things, even money, is a means to an end. It's good, but money in itself is not the end. I've never seen money be able to fulfill a dream. I've never seen money be able to fulfill a destiny. I've never seen money be able to do anything except for be able to purchase things to get us towards the end, or so we think. Maybe, you know, when Scrooge McDuck, he like swims around in his, you know, vault full of gold, that's probably the only thing that I've seen money actually do apart from be a means to buy things in the end. But money always falls short to purchase what we really want. You see, if you are hungry, money can acquire you food but it can't buy you satisfaction. If you are tired, money can buy a bed, but it can't give you rest. If you're worn out, money can purchase a holiday, but it can't buy you peace. If you're lonely, money can invest in an engagement ring, but it can't buy lifelong happiness. If you feel as though you don't belong, money can secure for you a house but it can't buy you a home or a place or a sense of belonging. If you want to have a million dollars or a million followers, you might be able to buy that, to acquire that with money, but love and intimacy, that can only come from a plus one. As a church, as we start to embark on this new year together, let's start with the end in mind. Stephen Covey has this seven habits of highly effective people, and that is one of the habits. Always start with the end in mind. And our end, our aim is not to have a budget of a million dollars per year as a church. It's not to have a thousand people in attendance on any given Sunday. It's not to have a hundred children sponsored 
through compassion. It's not to have 10 churches planted or one school started. All great goals, all things that I pray that we can achieve and exceed together. But we need to start with the end in mind. We need to have always the plus one at the forefront of our mind. You see, our church family is not all about money. It's not all about the crowds or the lights or the new carpet or finding those leaders of thousands and valuing them over everything and anyone else. Seeing people as a means to our end of getting what we want. And believe it or not, it's not even about finding your plus one. It's about realizing that all along you have been his. You have been his plus one. This is why we want to celebrate today. This is why this is a party, that it's time to celebrate the 30 plus one years. It's a celebration. It's, it's a feast. It's a wedding feast. It's the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, as the Bible calls it. When the Bible speaks about eternity, that's the language that it uses, that Jesus is the great guest of honor. And he gets to bring a plus one. And that plus one is you. That Jesus started with the end in mind. That Jesus went to the cross with the end in mind. And the end was that you would have a place at the table with him. Now this next part might sound a little bit controversial. It might sound a little bit like I've been stuck in isolation too long. It might sound like, you know, my COVID vaccine, my second jab that I just had is controlling my brain waves or something like that. But I promise you, stick with me to the end. It'll make sense. Because even in the Christian realm, even a lot of the stuff that we talk about in church and that we focus on as part of the Christian life is still actually a means rather than the end. So things that are a means, sanctification, justification, my favorite propitiation that I talked about a couple of weeks ago, redemption, even salvation is a means to an end. They're not the end in themselves. Now, before you switch off, the end, it'll start to make sense once you realize what the end is, what, why we were saved, why we need redemption, why we had this propitiation, why, why we need the sanctification is all to get us to this end point. And the end is Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ would be celebrated because of his infinite love. And that's why we celebrate today, that Jesus Christ would be enjoyed because of his infinite beauty. That Jesus Christ would be glorified because of his infinite majesty. That Jesus Christ would be treasured 
because of his infinite worth. But the great part about the Christian story is that although all those other things are a mean to the, to the end, we don't have to wait until the end. You don't have to wait until the end of your life to make it to the end. You don't have to wait until, you know, the ringing of the bell to say that, you know, it's time to come and sit down at that marriage supper of the Lamb. The bell doesn't need to toll before you get to the end. The end can start right now. We can start celebrating Jesus. We can start enjoying Jesus. We can start glorifying Jesus. We can start treasuring Jesus right here, right now, not just in eternity. So that is what we celebrate today. That is who we are lifting up today. But not just today, each and every day from today until he calls us home to be with him. He has a seat at the table for you. He made us his focus, inviting us to be with him for all eternity. So let's make sure that he is our plus one because he made us his. As we close, I just want to read one final passage of scripture. It comes from Luke 15, starting at verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. He told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one, does not leave the ninety-nine and go into the open country and go after the one? the plus one that is lost until he finds it. And then, and when he has found it, he lays it upon his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you that there will be more rejoicing. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 righteous person who need not repent. Repentance is a means to the end. The end is finding that lost sheep. But not just finding that lost sheep, not just putting that lost sheep across his shoulders but it is the feast upon the return it is the celebration of what is to take place that that one that was lost is now found the one who was not going to be at the table is now at the table the reason that he told that story is because they were all grumbling they were all grumbling that he allowed sinners at the table sinners like you sinners like me that we are the lost sheep that he is the shepherd and that he would leave the 99 to come
come after the one. Because the one is important. The one has a seat at the table. In fact, the one has not just a seat at, at any table, but at that bridal table. The celebration can't start until we are there. You see, the enemy tells us we don't deserve a seat at the table. That there is no place for us in the holy, righteous kingdom of God. That we don't belong, that there is no name place, that there is no name tag, that there is no spare seat available for you. But that's not the message of Jesus. That's not the message of hope. That's not the message of celebration that we are here to celebrate today as we celebrate the fact that we are the plus one. He says, you're upset that they have a seat at any table? Well, I'm going to go further. And I'm not just going to give them a seat at any table. I'm not just going to leave them in an unnamed, undisclosed location that there is a plus one spot available for you right here at this table, at the bridal table that we are going to celebrate together. Because Jesus, the good shepherd, actually turned his back and walked away from the good sheep that knew exactly where they needed to be, that did exactly what they needed to do. And his attention and his exclusive affection was for you. And that just as it said that he put the weight of that bad sheep across his shoulders, that he put the weight of sin and death across his shoulders, that as the weight of the cross bared down upon his shoulders, it meant he started with the end in mind. He went to the cross with the end in mind because the end was not just in mind, but home was in sight. And that party and that celebration could begin because he took the weight of sin and death across his shoulders to bring us home. And that is reason as plus ones to celebrate today. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. We want to thank you for your love. We want to thank you for the 30 plus one years that you have never left us and that you have never forsaken us. And Lord, I pray that everybody that feels as though that they're disconnected, that they're far from God, that there is no seat left for them, would see today, would see through these stories, would see through the scriptures that we have read today, that there is not only a seat available, but that it is a seat at that head table, a seat at the bridal table, right next to our loving Heavenly Father, right next to Jesus. That He is welcoming 
all of us home. That that is reason to celebrate, that all of heaven celebrates as we venture home with him. Lord, help us to start this next year with the end in mind, with knowing that you are our goal, that you are our purpose, that honouring you, that glorifying you, that treasuring you be our highest goal, our highest aim for this year, for this day, and the days and the years and the weeks and the months to come. Lord, we just pray it as we celebrate together. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.